thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Sunday. Yeah, it is. Hey, how are you doing? Doing good? All right, we're going to sing this song at the beginning. So if you're watching the replay, you can fast forward for about, I don't know, four minutes. Nailed that, didn't I? Did. Wondering why I'm here. And by anybody cares, cares what, what I say. Yep. No, I'm not a better man because I'm singing the songs on the radio. Cause we're all the same Yeah, we are At the end of the day Now I imagine you on the other side of the radio Love what you've done with your hair This is my nap hair Cool It's awesome, isn't it? I need to get it cut the radio Enough reason to keep me singing my song. 
singing my song on the other side of the radio. that easy if it was only that easy to be over this quick uh yeah all right well hello people it is uh sunday october 4th yeah it is and uh tonight is bible news radio sunday night edition which is really good to have on a sunday night well you know the funny thing is is we are uh, impeccable with our broadcasting schedule. Yes. And uh, um, we we were doing a uh, Bible study in Jude, but now tonight, what you're going to talk about is the creation of God. Indeed, I am. Why did you come up with that topic? Well, as I will explain in a moment, but I'll explain now and go ahead and spoil the whole thing. No, uh, just because we were talking the other day about taking a later this month. Okay taking a drive down the Notches Park, Notches Trace Parkway, I knew I could say it, nailed almost it. nailed it, yeah, at least the second time. You came uh, very close. The Notches Trace Parkway. Nachos del Grande. <laughs> nachos. Uh, the Nachos Place Parkway, you know, uh, to take in the, the autumn foliage, the dying leaves uh, before they the all... Death. All fall off of the trees <laughs> for the trees going to complete hibernation for the winter. And then I'm taking the brilliant color. Of course, the timing will be tricky, as we were discussing, uh, just whenever it was. Friday, I think? Yesterday. We were just talking about this yesterday. No, we were talking about Friday. You because were I don't know when you were talking about it. But we were southbound on I-65, and that would have been, that would have been Friday. Um, okay. Uh, the, the last, the last fall, autumn, whatever you want to call it, the fall when the, the leaves fall. of summer. Um, it was strange. It was like a late, late autumn. It, like it didn't happen until, I mean, the days of the year were the same, you know, September 21st rolled around, etc. But as far as the foliage of the trees... Uh, turning their various colors of reds and yellows and golds and brilliant colors. Uh, that didn't happen until like the second week of November. And then it was seemed like it was very brief. It was just seemed like less than a week. It's kind of like um, there was like a late memo getting out. And the tree's like, oh, yeah, winter's coming. Let's do the fall thing, colors, and they all fell off. And it was, so it was weird climate change i guess but 
Well, people. So, so Randall decided he wants to talk about the creation of God because of that. Basically. Yeah. Just, yeah that so. Was, that was the catalyst. That was the. Started off. Started thinking and then listening uh, today that devotional about the majesty of God and you know. Oh. Yeah, I gotta tell you guys about this Christ. really, really great book. Um, I'm gonna tell you the name of it. So I, I am a. Um, how do I tell you this? Without you know, being making you all jealous and stuff. Um, I am my mom when I was a kid. Made she would vacuum when I was a kid, and she would make me. She would just. She programmed my brain to sleep with noise. So, you know, in the olden days when the TV went off at midnight, we had the static and then the national anthem and stuff. Um, you know, people would fall asleep to the TV. I, it, you want to put me to sleep? The best way to put me to sleep is let me listen to a, an audio book or a podcast or, or, or Trump debate with Biden. I don't know. I mean, I fell asleep through that. That's funny. How anybody could fall asleep through that loud debate, I have no idea. But anyway, long story short, um, so I have this. I, I had Audible for about 10 years. Uh, this is Audible because I love, I love books. I am a bibliophile. I'm somebody who loves to read. I'm just, it's just me. And one of the books I downloaded I don't even know what year it was I downloaded it. It's called 31 Days Meditating on the Majesty of Jesus. It was written in 2007 uh, by Jack Hayford. And I don't even know what attracted me to this book. Nobody that I know has ever read it. I don't follow Jack Hayford's Bible teaching. I know he's a very popular pastor and is one of, one of his most favorite songs in the world that he wrote was called Majesty. So maybe that's why I downloaded the book. I don't know. Regardless, I downloaded this book and I decided last night that I was going to listen to it. It has 31 chapters in it. Thus, 31 days of meditating on the majesty of Jesus. And I listened to that whole book, minus a few that I fell asleep through. But for the most part, I listened to that whole book last night because I couldn't sleep good. Usually I can, but this book was so good. And it was so like, gosh, it was just such a good book that I decided I actually want to buy the hard copy of it. So I went over to Amazon, um, and they're selling a new one for $57.55, uh, and then four new ones for about $40 each. And then if you buy some used ones, you can get it as low as $1.46. That's where I went, to the used section, um, plus $4 for shipping it to you, which is no big deal. So I think it cost me like seven, under $7 for the actual book. But I was reading this book, and it was just so amazing, you know, to think about the majesty of Christ and who he is. I mean, because we don't talk about the Lord enough as Christians. I mean, honestly, we, we just don't. And yet Christianity is all about Christ. Um, uh, anyway, so I highly recommend that book to you because I listened to most of it. And, and it's just one of these del delicious books that you can just... You can just read and, and you can meditate on a characteristic or a, um, attribute of, of Christ and his names, you know, who he is, which leads me to 
this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be doing my final Bible study in the book of Jude. And we're going to be looking at Jude, and we're going to be looking at the last two verses in the book of Jude, which is verse 24 and 25, which says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I'm going to be teaching on that, and um, you're, you're probably going, well, you know, not a whole lot in there, is there? To which I would say, you need to come to my study because there's a ton in there. Uh, and we're going to look at we're going to look at that because I think if we have the right perspective of who Christ is and, and we and we really kind of can get who He is and kind of cut out all the the earthly surroundings that we're all involved in, you know, just everywhere. It's, I don't think we realize how much of a sin sick fallen world we live in. Um, minus watching the news. If you watch the news, you get it. But but just when you think about the Lord, we have these movie images, these movie trailer images of who he is that Hollywood has given us a depiction of, but there's no way they can really depict who he really is. I mean, one thing in, in, the, in the book that Jack wrote um, was the Lord hid his glory. Now think about that. A king hiding his glory. You know, I mean, that's crazy. You know, most people who are of royalty, they, they show it off. The pomp and circumstance of being a king or a queen, you know, it's like, this, this is who we are. We have the protocol, all this. But, you know, Jesus, he came in the exact opposite way, almost kind of like undercover boss, you know. <laughs> that's kind of how I put it. It's like undercover boss. Hey, I'm the owner of Chick-fil-A, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to see how those employees are treating my you know, treating the customers, and I'm going to pretend to be an employee, but I'm really the boss. I'm the under, under undercover boss. I think that's what the Lord did when he sent Christ the way he did. He kind of came in undercover, and then next thing you know, he's he's revealing who he is, and the world literally was flipped upside down uh, by those he called to himself to be his disciples. Um, so anyway, I'm going to be doing that, and then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll also be launching my Bible study in the book of Revelation, uh, which is, again, another great book at looking at who Christ is, who he is, what he what did he say to the teachers of the day? Hi, Jake. And um, and we are going to going to be doing that. So if you're interested in joining that Bible study, just hit me up through social media anywhere on Bible News Radio on social media, whether it's our Facebook page or Twitter page or email through through my website, BibleNewsRadio.com. Uh, would love to have you be a part. So now, and one last thing also, if you want to donate to our show, you can do that through BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. It is a tax-deductible gift to the show and to what we do. So thank you in advance for that. And now, Bareface, I'll pass it over to you, Bareface. Bare face. My face is indeed bare. That is. Mine is indeed white. Yeah. Yeah, even it is. I, even though I put makeup on it to give me a little color. <laughs> it's like, I'm so white. 
I guess I'm, I mean, this, this is, that's how white I am. And I'm not anemic. It's just God made me white. <laughs> I'm a couple shades darker. I could sit out in the sun two hours a day and I would still be white. You'd be red. I'd be white. Okay. Well, I might be a little red, but not, uh, it wouldn't last. Uh, right. It wouldn't change your DNA, but. Nope. You would get burnt. Yeah, I would. I'd be a lobster. All right. Like my head is. I have to sit way back here in order to, for you to see my hair. Oh, look at that! There's my mop, people. You're jealous, right. aren't you? How about we uh, move along here? Okay. All right, people. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Stace and I were talking about making a deliberate trip to uh, take in the fall colors this fall. And so um, we were talking about uh, taking a trip down this uh, local, um, what do you call it, roadway, I guess. It's, um, it's, um, it's, it's a highway, basically, not just Trace Parkway. Uh, which runs from a little north of here out to pretty much um, near the Mississippi River. It's like 200-some miles, I think. And it's a great way to catch in miles of uh, woodland and see the the fall colors along the Notches Trace Parkway. I've got a couple of photos up there on the screen. And so that just got me to thinking about the the magnificence of god's creation even in this fallen world that we live in that's under a curse uh, we can go back to genesis and see that um, but that got me to thinking about god's creation what all it tells us we were reading earlier in the psalms as we've been going through in the daily disciples group that the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament his handiwork or his craftsmanship so basically the heaven and the earth and um, how they reveal his glory and we're going to look at that and some other things so that's my plan but God may have other plans and so let us turn this time over to him that he might use it as he desires Father God you are an awesome God worthy of all glory all honor all power and praise and as we consider your creation the work of your hands as it were uh, metaphorically, which is really the the work of your voice, uh, which you spoke into creation, which is the work of Christ, uh, the living word of God. Um, Lord, uh, may we take from it the things that you would have us to know. And so as we look into your word, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, give us um, your thoughts, uh, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and spirits that are sensitive to your spirit, that we might receive what you have for us. Uh, you are such a giver of every good and perfect thing. Uh, help us to give our attention to you, uh, that you might lead us. We ask these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, well, most folks know, um, even 
non-believers, someone with a, a, cursor, a cursory knowledge of Scripture, even if they never opened up the book, may be aware of the first verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that tells us, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Hashemim Haaretz, the heavens and the earth. And there's a whole study, believe it or not, in just that one verse. Especially when we consider the meaning of the Hebrew words, the beginning, uh, Bereshit, in the beginning, Bereshit bara, God made. And we could talk about that verb and what it means to make. And Bereshit bara Elohim, and we could look at that plural word for for God, used a plural noun referring to a singular entity, um, the God of all creation. We could look at the way the word heavens is spelled and what that tells us about the heavens. It's fascinating. And and the earth, rats, and we could turn that into a month-long study. But the important thing is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that what we know of the physical universe, the heavens and the earth, uh, it's a creation of God, as Frank Tork said and wrote, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And years ago, I was doing a study on Genesis, and we talked about those six days of creation, and there's debate whether it's six literal days or millions of years or whatever. Um, and I have trouble with millions of years because of plants being created and try to find a world where there are only plants and nothing else well you do know that plants uh, take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen and so there needs to be producers there need to be uh, producers of carbon dioxide for the longevity of plants and if it was a whole earth covered with plants it wouldn't last very long because there would be uh, no other life exchanging that carbon dioxide or yeah that oxygen for carbon dioxide to feed back into the plant worlds so there had to be some sort of mammals or some other type of life um, in relatively quick succession if the plants were going to live for any length of time and we can go on with the whole ecosystem, the whole ecosphere of the planet Earth and how interdependent it is and to, and to imagine things evolving slowly and incrementally on their own. This, this, you know, this sort of um, mutation happens in this particular cell or this life form and in relatively quick so succession just because a small environmental change causes by the mutation of this organism, this organism, this other organism adapts to it and changes and and it's just it's just that just seems too fantastical for me that these random changes and random things all work together and evolve together to be this cohesive independent independent ecosystem all along the way. Um, I just don't have, maybe I'm not that smart, I just don't see that. Uh, it seems to me that these things would 
come about together. They're designed to fit together. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the association of scripture. It doesn't say how. Not totally. I mean, not by molecule or, you know, at the subatomic, um, uh, you know, level anything like that. There's an order of things given, which makes sense when you think about this ecosystem, the way the things were created. Uh, if you look at the 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 um, sea life and then the plants and then the animals um, and then finally uh, mankind and speaking of mankind we read in Genesis that being the capstone of his creation so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them so man being mankind human beings God created mankind in his own image. Um, male and female, he created them, which is fascinating. There's another whole study there that mankind creating his image is male and female. Both male and female make up the complete image of God. Um, we see in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes about uh, about a husband and wife and how they are a picture of the Christ of Christ in the church and and you know we see God portrayed as a father uh, mostly in scripture but at times uh, aspects or attributes characteristics of a mother um, so male and female together make up the complete image of God um, you realize when you look in the scriptures about how the rib was taken out of the man and fashioned a woman and they were joined together um, there was something about being wrapped up in one that we wouldn't get it we wouldn't understand uh, the full image of God that he said he created male and female separately but separately to be joined together to, to display the complete image of God. So we are unique creations or in the whole of creation, capital C, and that as the pinnacle of creation, the only beings, uh, the only part of his creation made in his image. And, and we're going to look at some other scriptures that why that's important uh-oh I just we just stopped uh, just stopped streaming for some reason all right all right well I'm gonna keep recording because the recording and the the audio is going out anyway so yeah it just shows that we're the, uh, we're not recording the broadcast I'm monitoring, which is weird, because I can monitor them. <laughs> it's weird. It's just, I guess what Wirecast is doing. Anyway. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read, For by him, referring to Messiah, if you read the chapters, talking about Messiah, Christ, Jesus, Yeshua, says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth visible and 
invisible. And unless you think, well, visible, well, you know, this is old days. This is talking about molecules and atoms and, you know, subatomic particles that are not visible uh, to, to the naked eye. Um, or, you know, air or something like that. That's just, you know, colorless uh, and odorless kind of thing. Um, it's, yes, it's that and it's more because, comma, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And we're not going to do an in-depth study on principalities and powers and dominions in Scripture. Um, but often those refer to spiritual entities and strongholds and places. Places where demons have authority and influence over particular areas. We go back to the book of Daniel and read about the prince of Persia and um, etc. And uh, there are several passages in the New Testament referred to principalities and powers and making open display of them and that sort of thing that we're talking, when we're talking invisible, also spiritual things, things that no microscope, no telescope, nothing could reveal them to the human physical eye because they're not physical things. They're spiritual things. They're immaterial things. But even those things uh, were created by him, not created, you know, uh, in rebellion. You know, God didn't create evil. Evil is um, a rebellion against good. Um, you know, good exists... God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Uh, some of the beings he created rebelled against his goodness and principalities, powers, and they have dominions, etc. Uh, but everything was made by him. That is Messiah. He is the living word of God. And we've talked before as we were going a few years back um, um, talking about um, go, going through the series Yeshua, Life of Messiah from a Messianic Jewish perspective and talked about that whole idea of the Aramaic um, Memra and how that is um, speaks of as the rabbis looked at the Word of God, the, the Hebrew Bible, they came up with some things that they notice about the Word of God characteristics. The the word of God is the agent of creation. You know, God spoke things, and, and there's not just in Genesis, but other times in Scripture we find God speaking things into existence. And then also, uh, the word of God um, is separate from the word of God, is separate from God himself. Um, at times we read in Scripture that God spoke to, and other points really we read about the prophets where the word of the Lord came to and and the language there not only in English but in the Hebrew is is very specific and distinct it's different from being spoken to it's like a, a separate entity the word of God coming unto um, someone else or a place and so they said well the word of God is is the agent of creation, it's separate from God, and yet it's the same as God. Um, God identifies his words as being him, 
and reflecting him and being his character, his statutes and his um, and his commands, etc. And so uh, the word of God being the same as God, being the age of creation, yet being separate from God. And of course, that's exactly what we see in Messiah and Yeshua, uh, the the son of God, the second person of the Godhead. Same as God, uh, yet distinct from God, and also the agent of creation. So, uh, in in Colossians, there, where you know, for by Him Messiah, all things were created that are in heaven and on, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principal or principalities, powers. The Word of God, the living Word of God, the person of the Godhead, created all things and that's recognized by the uh, the creatures and the elders in the book of Revelation Look at, looking at Revelation chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 we read whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, and I put there in the brackets, uh, Thelema, Greek word, they exist and were created. And the reason I put that Greek word in there, because your translation might say, like the old King James says in for your pleasure they exist and were created. And that's kind of wrapped up in there too in that Greek word uh, thelema. Uh, thelema uh, deals with uh, desire and, um, and, and purpose, um, you know, uh, volitional, uh, volition, volitional preference, I don't know if preference is the right word, but, you know, Yeshua in the garden talked about not my will, but thy will be done. We talk about God's perfect will, his intent, his purpose, and what, yeah, what he purposes, what he decides, what is his, uh, what his desire is, his expressed desire. That's what's wrapped up in that Greek word, dathalima. So, uh, by his will or for his purpose, for his pleasure, something he purposed to do, uh, they were created. So we create all things and for his purposes. Um, um, not only did on, uh, you know, the, when all things were created on the sixth day of creation, well, of all each of the days, God thought it was good, thought it was good. In the sixth day of creation, God said it was very good, looking at all that he had made with mankind, male and female, being at the top of that, uh, top of the order, the capstone of creation, when he looked at all that he had made and said it was very good. Um, it's because as, he's, as he had purposed it and designed it, uh, not things just again this random chance of things sort of you know happening happening to work together uh just because you know a necessity kind of thing god created all things by design and for his purpose um 
um, even even the garden that was given to the man and the woman, those things that you know created for them for food, they were created for his purpose, uh, not just for their their consumption or their well-being, but by his purpose, for his purpose, for his will, by his desire, uh, those things were created. Okay. And as I alluded to earlier, as we think about all this, the not just what we see in physical creation, the, the skies, the trees, the clouds, the stars, the galaxies, uh, but those things that, you know, the... Um, you know, on an earthly level, minerals and molecules, all of that. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, that would be, that would be the earth and its immediate atmosphere, and the firmament shows his handiwork, or his craftsmanship, if you will. I'm using the old King James here, because I, I don't know, I just like that. <laughs> for this particular psalm, Psalm 19. Uh, day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the end of the world. Now, isn't that isn't that wild? The all of creation is the result of the word, the living word of God. God spoke and things were created by the word of God. Um, metaphorically and literally, the word of God created all things. And, and the things themselves communicate. Um, let me throw that back up because... It's fascinating to me. Um, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Whose words? Well, the heavens and the firmament, the day, the day and the night, everything about creation speaks. It declares the glory of God. It shows his handiwork. The... The creation in itself speaks to where um, people are able to understand the nature of God. That that um, the, the that um, you want to give something of a glimpse of the glory of God uh, for those of us who did not walk with Yeshua and see Him transfigured uh, there on the mount with Peter, James, John. If we want to get a glimpse of the glory of God, and we weren't there with Moses when, you know, Moses asked to see the glory of God, and God said, well, no man can see my face and live, but basically, you know, hide here in the rock, put my hand over you, pass over, and basically you can see my my vapor trail, my, the wake that I leave behind. And... Um, that's what you'll get to see, and even that was profoundly overwhelming uh, for Moses. And so, if we want to get a glimpse of the glory of God, well, we look at the we look at the heavens, we look at the earth, 
we look at the day, we look at the night, and you could make a lifetime of study of probably any one part of creation, um, the sun or the moon or the stars or the creatures that have been created, creatures of the day, creatures of the night, you know, diurnal and nocturnal creatures. Uh, you could, I mean, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. Um, the way that A.B. Simpson put it, he says, there are enough evidences of supreme skill in the structure of the human hand alone to prove the existence intelligence and benevolence of God in the face of all sophistry of infidelity fancy words there sophistry you know um, from the Greek sophist wisdom uh, sophistry like on philosophies and you know humanistic wisdom of infidelity so the sophistry of infidelity is humanistic wisdom uh, you know, theory of evolution or whatever that would go against the plain truth that God is the creator of all things, that creation declares, uh, you know, his glory and the firm and his handiwork, that, um, you know, God's fingerprints are all over all of creation. And so he says, you know, the human... Something just crashed. Oh, that was... <laughs> Um, you know, there, there's enough evidence of supreme skill in the structure of the human hand alone. And again, there's a lifetime of study. Forget the whole human body, the human hand alone. Uh, there's an, there are enough evidences of supreme skill there to prove the existence. These this sort of mechanism, the human hand, wouldn't come about by it itself. I don't have that kind of faith. Intelligence, the way it operates. And benevolence, why? Because it, it, this allows us to do so many things beyond all other creatures of the earth with his opposable thumb, things like that. Though there are some creatures on the earth that can do some pretty darn amazing things. <laughs> Nests they build from... DNA. I mean, they've never seen it built, and they make them uh, generation after generation. And monarch butterflies, that the Methuselah generation, every uh, so many generations that lives longer, and from all over North America, fly to a place in Mexico they've never been, etc. And they're just some some wild things uh, in just that stuff. But the yet. The capstone of his creation, male and female, mankind that he made, this hand, there are enough evidences of that, of God's, of God's supreme skill, uh, existence, intelligence, and benevolence of God, benevolent to give us these hands that we have. So with all that that we see, that we the heavens declare the glory of God, the things that He's made, creation that it's it's really unescapable. Uh, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says in Romans chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-one, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. What 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 what, what wrath of God? What happened to His glory and His benevolence? Yeah, that's there. 
Um, so where does the wrath come in? Well, I'll stop interrupting. We'll read it through. For the wrath of God is revealed from all heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. His invisible attributes. They're invisible. You can't be seen, but they can be clearly seen. How? Being understood by the things that are made. Even his external, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament, his handiwork, day unto day, utter speech, night unto night, you know, brings forth knowledge. There's no language, no speech, um, whether one is hearing impaired or vision impaired, whatever, some aspect, any aspect of creation declares the glory of God. That So what is invisible, we can't see the glory of God, at least not yet, not with these mortal eyes. Uh, we can't see them. Um, but if you want to get an idea of what God's glory is like, look at what has been made. For the heavens declare the glory of God. The... All of creation testifies to to who God is, what he is like, his invisible attributes, even his eternal power and Godhead. Um, you know, their line has gone out, their words have gone out to all the world. Anybody, everybody ought to know and does know that there is a creator of all things. Um, I don't think there's any such thing as an unbeliever in the sense of doesn't believe there's God. Uh, I think everyone knows innately that there is a God, but there are non-receivers. There are ones that reject that knowledge. Although they know God, they do not glorify him as God nor are they thankful for what he's provided, including their very own life and breath, but became futile in their thoughts, attributing some other thing to creation, evolution, random chances, whatever, and their foolish hearts were darkened um, because they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. The truth is obvious, and when you say, no, I will not receive that, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to reject what the plain truth of creation is, um, because I don't like the idea that that means that there's a creator. He is the author of all things. That gives him authority, because he is the author. That's, that's uncomfortable for me, that I would be accountable to anyone 
And so I, you know, the very plain thing, the inexcusable, uh, undismissible, or is it indismissible? Probably undismissible. Things that cannot be dismissed um, is creation in us, around us, the hand in which there are evidences of, you know, God's, um, his, um, I forget how the person put it now, um, but, uh, you know, just his benevolence and his, and his skillfulness and all that, um, you know, to, it, you can't erase that. You can't erase the heavens, the earth. You can't hide that under, you know, behind a curtain. You can't, you can't sweep that under a rug. So you've got to give some new interpretation to it. I mean, because that's above anything else, even where the gospel has never gone. People can see creation. They are part of it themselves. Uh, the capstone of his creation, in fact, made in his image, which is part of why I think Paul writes that uh, because what may be known of God is manifest in them as the capstone of his creation, the, the the human body and made in his image. We talked about the whole male-female thing. It, it's manifest in them and, and in all of creation. God has shown it to them. It's in us. It's around us. It, it's undeniable. So, you know, you can, you can, you can twist scripture. You can dismiss religion and you know somebody's um whatever delusion the god delusion you can you can come up with all sorts of uh rationalizations uh, for mental things and written things but you can't you can't erase creation you can't sweep that under a rug so you know that's the thing that's you got to start there. You got to come up with something to explain that away, and and it all goes down heel from there. Uh, if you're trying to relieve yourself of accountability to God, and so reject that creation is not creation, that it's that it's evolution, that it's the you know um, result of random processes and things that. That's being futile in your thoughts, and your heart becomes dark, um, darkened after that. To to deny the obvious and pretend it doesn't exist, basically, pretend that evidence is not there. <laughs> then the plain truth of you know, just, you know, if you said the sky is green, you know, well, you've got some sort of issues with color perception in your eyes. But, you know, I don't exist. I'm not talking right now. That's just crazy. If you, if, if you reject and deny what is painfully obvious, plainly objective reality, then what are you going to do with things that are a little more subtle, immaterial things, and ideas and beliefs, things like that? Your foolish heart was darkened. Um, 
you know, it's interesting. You know, the one the one writer talked about the benevolence of God being evidenced in the skillful, um, you know, structure of the human hand. Uh, I think about how um, going back to Genesis that how for His purposes God made the earth and the things in it and made mankind in His image. But those things on the earth uh, are here. He doesn't need them. He desired them. And they were created for his purposes, but not because he needs them. He's not in need of anything. Uh, you know, he's exists before time, when there wasn't a before. Um, he's self-sufficient, um, dimensionless, immaterial. God doesn't need anything. But these things were put to sustain us um, these these things of of earth and creation as you read in in Genesis occasion even the stars and you know planets and stuff like that let them be for the seasons and you know and for time uh, you know help us to mark time and which we've used and over the years gotten really smart about um, time and predicting things and uh, as far as uh, in whatever, uh, the position of the Earth uh, within our solar system and all these sorts of things uh, that help us with time, uh, reckoning time. Um, look at the Mayan calendar, fascinating stuff. Anyway, I digress hugely. Uh, these, you know, the, but in the plants, God said, let them be for food, etc., and so these things on the earth being for our the the benefit of humankind uh john macarthur wrote this he said god made all of his creation to give he made the sun the moon the stars the clouds the earth the plants to give he also designed his supreme creation man to give but fallen man is the most reluctant giver in all of God's creation. Isn't that amazing? It's true, isn't it? You know, the sun, the, the moon, the earth, the clouds, the plants, you know, all these things give to us. They give things to us um, for, for our benefit, for our sustenance, uh, for our well-being. Uh, all of God's creation. If you if you have a pet, especially dogs, dogs rock. I'm partial to dogs, but just the unconditional love that they give and how they want to please, and we just see these things that give and give and give in all of creation. Um, you know, animal and plant. Whether you're vegetarian or what, you know, these things give to us. Um, all these things of the earth are givers to us. And yes, we are to be caretakers of it. We are to be good stewards of it. Um, as the capstone of God's creation, that's our responsibility to be good stewards of all its creation. But they're there. All these things give to us. And for God so loved the world, the people in it, that God gave his only son. That God is a giver Everything on this earth, by extension, gives because God is a giver. 
and it's his creation created for his purposes. It gives to us. And yet the capstone of his creation, male and female, human beings, are the most reluctant givers of all. And especially when it comes to uh, giving what God is due, you know, glorifying him as God, uh, rather giving other things our attention and our worship even and our devotion. Fallen man is the most reluctant giver in all of God's creation. Right. Um, another great quote from Charles Dickens. And I'm going to start wrapping this up here. I have a plan with this, but, um, you know, again, God's brought different things to my mind as we've gone along. Charles, whoops, what happened to him? Can I put it up there? I already put it up there, right? The whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this. That a thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed. But a thing created is loved before it exists. Isn't that powerful? A thing, the difference between thing... The whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this. That a thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed. But a thing that is but a thing created is loved before it exists. And you think about when we uh when we um create things, we're creative people, um made in the image of God, but actually when we create things, we really construct things. We talk about being creators. I'm a creative person and I'm a subscriber to Adobe's Creative Suite and uh but we really construct. We take existing things, uh, for the most part, we take existing things and fashion them into something else. Um we don't start from nothing <laughs> like like God did and and creating, sustaining the earth, uh, and the universe, and all that's in it. Um, we construct things, and we, when we made it, we're like, wow, isn't that cool? And we go admire a piece of art, or, or a piece of music, something like that. Uh, but a thing created can be loved before it exists. And that's exactly what we see in, in the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So before the foundation of the world, before this creation came to be created, we um, he chose us before we were created. We were loved before 
we were created. He chose us in him, in Christ. Before all this came to be, before there was creation, chose us what? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Um, having predestined us to adoption of the sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and we talked about uh, Thelema earlier, good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted, the beloved. You know, God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave his only son, the living word of God, that he who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved that he gave all the way back from before the foundation of the world. That's what we can see um, from the creation of God. We can see his glory. We can see his handiwork. We can see his invisible attributes as well. Not only his, his Godhead, his divine authority, we can also see his love, his, his unconditional, unmerited, unending, faithful, amazing love. Uh, because from not before creation, before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him, in Christ. Uh, he set this in motion so that we could be the recipients of his love, not just while we walk this earth, not for the duration of our mortal lives, which is but a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow, and the older you get, you know it, how <laughs> quick this life goes by, not just for that, that's, you know, he, he gave us, he gave that we might be recipients of his love and his glory for all eternity. That, uh, and that had to happen just like the all of creation was through the word of God. The redemption of his creation is also through the word of God. Not just the word that we read, uh, which is extremely important, um, but the living word of God, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ. Uh, who made it possible, um, who was slain before the foundation of the world. The whole plan was set that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, from those things that separate us from him, our unholiness, our selfishness, our reluctance to give, John MacArthur wrote about, our reluctance to give, those things that put us at odds with the giver of all good things that separate us from him those that nature our natural fleshly nature which is unlike his glorious heavenly nature um he made a way through creation but before creation he purposed it and had it set out his plan that he eventually set into motion that he would bring us into his love for eternity so that we would be the recipients of his grace and his glory um, for all eternity. And that ought to make us 
thankful that ought to make us givers. That ought to make us thankful. That ought to make us that ought to make us shape, shout for joy. I can speak really. I can. Um, so when you look at creation, you know, we need to think about God's love and His His generosity, His giving, and think that all of that, this physical world, which is in, which is in itself temporary. Um, you can read Isaiah, you can read second Peter, you can read other places that, you know, this, this world as we know it is one day going to melt with fervent heat and all its work is burned up and there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. Um, revelation chapter 20, 21, that, um, God has prepared those things for us. The, the world that now exists and the world to come, um, all of those things put there to show his glory, show his grace, most of all, show his love toward us, that we might just simply return in, in thanksgiving, in praise, and in worship of this unmerited, um, unconditional, amazing love. And... So my exhortation to y'all is, um, with every breath you draw, with every sunrise that you see or feel, uh, if you can't see it, um, every, every bite we eat, you know, let's try to be thankful, uh, receive these things with thanksgiving, knowing that they're manifestations not only of God's glory, his power, his intelligence, um, his, um, you know, his benevolence. I'm trying to think about all those other things that um, A.B. Simpson said, uh, the existence, intelligence, and benevolence of God. Um, they speak of his love. And, and God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, man, so many things run through my head now, but it's it's after the top of the hour, and so really need to wrap this up. Think about God's love when you think about his creation and everything that he put into play so that we might enjoy him and his love forever. Will the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace, and remember, because of all that you know and all that you're learning, as you continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Yeshua, um, Messiah, that um, you will be bold you will stand up and you will go with God because, because, because he loves you, dear saints. He loves you. Good night. God bless.